0: Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking about the major overhaul that the Rio has planned, new updates in the trial of Robert Tellis, and the impact of the rock and roll marathon on Las Vegas. I'm here with producer Leila Mohammed and Andrew Corrali, publisher of TheList.Vegas, and we're gonna break it all down for you. It's Friday, March 3rd, I'm David Figler, And here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Well, hello, Andrew Corrali. Welcome back to CityCast Las Vegas. Hey, David. Thanks again. Great to be back. And Layla Mohammed, CityCast Las Vegas producer. Welcome to your daily routine of being part of CityCast Las Vegas, my friend. (laughs)
1: Thanks, David. Good morning.
0: All right, guys. So first up, there's some talk about stuff happening at the Rio, which we haven't heard a lot about for a while. Andrew, what's going on over at the Rio Hotel and Casino?
2: Yeah, so the uh, Rio is uh, slated for a big renovation or maybe a Rio-novation. Oh boy. No, okay, maybe not. <laughs> no, it's fine. So quick capsule. So Dreamscape Companies uh, recently, uh, they bought the Rio from Caesars from about three years ago. But you know, Rio has been the same old Rio since then, but they recently received $850 million in part to help renovate the Rio, which is showing its age, right? It's a 33-year-old off-strip resort It's in that weird place where it's not quite classic, but, you know, not quite as, you know, shiny as it used to be. And um, so we'll be looking at a slate of really, you know, hopefully exciting renovations to come. I have this weird hope, and it's perhaps sort of buoyed by the fact that Dreamscape has said, we're not going to change the name. We're not going to implode the structure. We're actually going to renovate the Rio as it is. And I'm kind of weirdly hoping that they could actually, like, you know, bring back some of the actual weird, cool stuff about the Rio. Some of my favorite spots in there were the the wine cellar tasting room. It's like this actual wine, you know, cellar. You can go down and, and actually taste some pretty good wine. Perhaps uh, my fellow natives remember the Masquerade Show in the Sky, um, which ran at the Rio. And it was basically this you know, sort of carnival on a track that ran a couple couple times a day at the Rio. Um, you could you know throw the beads and do all the carnival stuff. R-
0: Rivalled in my mind only by the uh, animatronic wolf and other wildlife animals over at Sam's Town. That's still. Ah uh, yes, on.
2: Mystic <laughs> Falls. Yes, yeah, go. which I consider the great outdoors.
0: It's one of my modern seven wonders of Las Vegas, which someday I I'll, love I'll list the other six.
2: Classic. I love it. Yeah, so masquerade in the sky. I mean, it wasn't like the Sambadrome, you know, but with the proper uh, kinds of substances, it could be a truly Ouch. transportive experience. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then finally, Voodoo Lounge, right uh, on the you know the top floor of the the, of the original Rio. old school um, uh, nightclub. Yeah, it was kind of a you know classic property. So I'm kind of hoping, you know, that the, keeping the name, they could actually reinfuse and, and reinvigorate some of those you know old school Rio pleasures. So yeah, should be should be exciting.
0: Leila, is there anything that you have a fond memory of or might miss from the old Rio?
2: I mean,
1: the carnival that happens in their parking lot could still happen. I remember going to that because they have so much land over there. And they also have some fan events, not to nerd out, but the Supernatural convention, Supernatural the TV show, that convention is held there every year. But under the renovations, those things could still happen. So I'm hoping that the Rio keeps its charm, but does update some, sort of its old dusty aspects of the property. My last interaction with the Rio was my friends spent their like honeymoon there, and they had a horrible experience. And I think the property, like you said, Andrew, is really, really starting to show its age
0: yeah. Now we're we're having this discussion because there's all this money injected and a desire by the Rio to to do these renos or do something with all that unused land in the back. But one of the parallel conversations is whether or not the A's might try to build a stadium there. What's that all about, Andrew?
2: Yeah, so so Dreamscape is also having a conversation with the well, the A's are, are kind of roving around Las Vegas looking for a possible new home, and the Rio is one of the prospective sites. So I think some of their candidates are land uh, where the Tropicana is, the Las Vegas Festival grounds on. Sahara and Las Vegas Boulevard. So yeah, so the Rio is a candidate and um, they've clearly got the land. It's looking like probably like a $1 billion deal if if the A's decided to relocate there. I mean, it makes sense to me. I'm not a stadium expert by, you know, any stretch of the imagination, but the idea is, is that this stadium would be kind of like in the Goldilocks zone between Allegiant, which is like, you know, 68,000 and T-Mobile, which I think is closer to like twelve thousand, this would be a thirty-five thousand capacity stadium for you know pro baseball. It would kind of satisfy that desire to become a you know a, a truly trifected kind of professional sports town.
1: I think out of all of the other options, the Rio would be best for traffic and keeping traffic off of the strip. The other two options just seem like they would be a little too crazy to park and access the parking garage or the stadium.
0: I don't know, guys. Are we filled up on stadiums at this point as far as priorities go? I mean, I get it. We don't have a professional baseball team, but we have a beautiful stadium for our AAA baseball team. And I just wonder if the Rio is going to allot that land for a big project. If there might not be something better, what would you like to see there? if not a baseball stadium, and you had your wish as to what could go in in the back of the Rio.
2: Well, it actually sounds like a great space, hear me out, Go for like a community festival grounds. Mm-hmm. Vegas does not have a lot of great sort of like festival spaces beyond its parks that are for locals, not for, you know, your big Bafo, you know, gigantic, you know, touring kind of concerts. Um, but you've got, like Layla said, you've got great access a lot of parking.
0: So you're talking an alternative to the festival grounds across from the Sahara Hotel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of more community festivals, food festivals, mm. civic concerts and, and things like that that could take you know advantage of, of that. Like the centrality of it seems to me to be very appealing. So more of an so, alternative um, to
0: like the county, the government center
2: Right, government center is great, but how often? How often do they? I mean, they, they'll use that for a city of lights jazz festival and some beer things. But but the level of programming that is happening in the valley right now, I would, I I could see there being a lot of you know sort of public demand for that for that uh, that space.
0: Awesome. How about you, Layla? What would you love to see back in there?
1: I think I would like to see the carnivals that happen back there. I think I would like to see those stay. I think that's nice for the community. We don't have a big carnival space in such a central location like that, that I think is really easy to see off the freeway. That's how I used to know that the carnival was there, is that I would just see it off the freeway and then we would go as a family. And I mean, I'm no architect, but I find it really fascinating that We have two newly built stadiums, and they're saying that Allegiant Stadium is too big for baseball. T-Mobile is too small for baseball. Again, I'm not an architect, but it, it astonishes me that they couldn't find a way to have more sports in those two stadiums. So I say no to the A's, and let's keep it in the community. Community events, carnivals, I like that idea. What about you, David? What's your
2: dream event? Yeah, I feel like you have something in your pocket, David, that you're just like itching to get out.
1: Well,
0: I'm going to try to be rapid fire on this one. I love it. I, I'm always going to say workforce housing. I think the people who work on and around the strip need affordable housing. And if you have a gaming card or you're a member of the culinary union or one of the other unions that you would get that discounted rate there and they could build a whole village there of services. Mm-hmm, yeah. When When I grew up, uh, my dad was a dealer at the Sahara Hotel. We lived in an apartment that was mostly casino workers close by. There were all these amenities that were in the same little area where we were by our apartment. So that's kind of a cool concept, I think, is lost, especially when the city needs it. And then the last one is that it's just a giant Lego replica of Las Vegas that you just wander around I to love scale. It.
1: Ooh, like a Legoland Las Vegas. Legoland
0: Las Vegas, but it's old school Las Vegas, so all the old hotels. So you get the Dunes and the Sands and the Riviera and the DI and all that stuff. Meta, And there would be gambling there, too. So basically a Vegas-themed casino in Lego.
2: Wow. Rio, take all of them. They're yours. David Figler, Visionary Urban Planner.
0: Okay, let's shift gears to talk about the Jeff German murder trial. As you recall, Rob Tellis, the public administrator, is charged with his homicide. It's gone through so many twists and turns. Six months ago is when the murder occurred. Are you guys following this story?
2: Yeah, and I guess what's fascinating to me about it, given the, the latest legal twist, is what it says about the psychology of Robert Tellis. And uh, I guess I would defer to your expertise on this, David. And I guess my question would be is, What does it say about his character? What does it say about anybody's character when they insist on representing themselves in a legal trial?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that picture of him smiling at the camera was chilling.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's always one of those things where, especially if you're in a high profile trial, criminal trial, that you really I mean we always tell our clients you know try not to react but of course that's a double-edged sword too because then people are like oh he's so cold and dispassionate about everything you know so finding mm-hmm. that right balance but like you said Layla smiling for the camera is not always the best I guess you know let, let's just start with this and and I am obviously a very firm believer in the Constitution Rob tellus is innocent Uh, right now in the eyes of the law and should be in in our eyes as well. He's had so many different lawyers now. He's hired people. He's fired people. He got a public defender for a little while who is very experienced in doing murder cases. That guy got basically fired. Now he's representing himself. And that is sort of a curious turn. But then again, he does have a law degree, just not a lot of experience in these kind of cases. Is there something about that that struck you as being... Weird? (laughs) I don't know if that's the right word.
2: I guess one thing that I was curious about is, uh, you know, apparently District Judge uh, Michelle Levitt grilled him for a half an hour to thoroughly determine, you know, whether he was competent to serve as his own counsel. Mm -hmm. And I I guess one thing that struck me is that she kind of did her due diligence as far as determining whether or not it was a a good idea. And that's an interesting line that a judge has to walk, I would imagine.
0: Well, it's it's required everyone has the right to represent themselves but the court has a duty to make sure that it is something that they can handle at, at least at a very bare minimum level there's a case called ferretta there's an entire hmm. canvas that has to occur there's questions that need to be asked if the right questions aren't asked and a person is allowed to represent themselves it could cause a reversal so most judges are very careful and then all judges have the directive by law to essentially try to convince the person not to do it. And even though he has a law degree, which puts him ahead of virtually everyone else who has ever represented themselves in Las Vegas for trials of any size, it's like the old adage, the person who represents himself has a fool for a client, right? Mm.
2: Yeah, and um, years and years ago, I did a, a story actually about pro se litigants, people who represented themselves. And one thing that I found was that they all had this sort of outsized confidence in their legal abilities. And each sort of pro se litigant had this idea that they had some kind of like Clarence Darrow gotcha kind of legal insight that could, you know, that will be their their sort of lightning strike defense or lightning strike prosecution. I wonder if that's kind of, you know, the same kind of psychology that's ambiently swirling around this case.
1: Mm. To add on to that, Tellus said that he's representing himself until he can find another attorney. But then Judge Levitt in that grilling said that this isn't a game. You can't keep switching. So, David, I'm wondering if Telus is going to be representing himself for the remainder of this trial or if he is able to still switch like he originally intended to.
0: So, you know, like Andrew said, there is always some kind of rationale that the person justifies wanting to be their own lawyer. And here it seems he has a vision of what the defense should be. And the subtext here is, or the implication anyway, is that his prior lawyers didn't agree with him and were are going to present it that way. And so, you know, he's the only one who could present the truth. And in some stories that have come out, including interviews that he has curiously given to the media. He's basically saying this is a conspiracy. Other people have set him up. He was doing his own investigation into some other lawyer's misconduct. And therefore, they wanted him out of the way. Presumably, he's going to come up with some kind of alibi defense. But again, none of this has been presented to the court because there have been no actual legal motions filed yet. With regard to your question, Layla, if he's going to be representing himself throughout, I don't see it happening, but it could. He did file one motion, and I wanted to talk about that really, really quickly, is that the one motion that Rob Tellis has filed since he's become his own attorney has nothing to do with the case as much as it has to do with him spilling the beans on how horrible it is for himself and other inmates in the Clark County Detention Center and the mistreatment that they suffer at the hands of some of the corrections officers. And he's asking the court to give him... Some deference with regard to housing and ability to do legal research because the jail is a horrible, horrible, horrible place. Interesting.
2: Well, what do you think random. of that? I mean, yeah, it sounds like he's accidentally shined a light on a real problem, or maybe not so accidentally.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see if that November date holds. What develops between now and then? Alright, guys, let's move on to another topic. We just saw the Las Vegas rock and roll marathon, and I do believe that one of the people in this conversation actually ran it. So will the real runner please stand up?
1: <laughs> yes, I did. It's you! Me. Layla. It's me, Layla Mohammed, producer of CityCast Las Vegas. I ran the half marathon this weekend for the rock and roll marathon. I was one of the 21,000 runners Ooh. that did the 5K, 10K, and half marathon uh, over Saturday and Sunday. And my experience was, I will say, amazing. I think as a local who has driven down the Strip more times than I can count, we used to drive down the Strip for fun on our way home from school, I will never see the strip the same again. I mean, running Mm -hmm. around the welcome sign as the sun set and approaching the Mandalay Bay and MGM as the lights were all on and bright. I think that was a really great experience. It was 13.1 miles through Las Vegas Boulevard going into downtown. And it was just so fun. People were on the side passing out tequila shots, people dressed in furs, holding boomboxes, dancing, um, stages everywhere. Oh,
0: so basically, you know, a very austere, serious marathon.
1: Yes,
2: very, very serious. Yeah. I love tequila as an energy drink. That's exactly.
0: I'm wondering in Boston for their marathon if if they're doing shots of tequila or maybe it's just someone hands them a, nope. a beer.
1: I I imagine that they take it a little bit more seriously in Boston, probably. But this one was a great experience, really fun. And something that I will never forget is that when I was limping back to my car through <laughs> the Miracle Mile shops, I was waiting for my friend who was limping even slower than I was. And this lady stopped with me and looked at me. She said, you just ran the marathon, huh? And I was like, yeah, like it was a great experience. And she said, you know, they closed down so much of the Strip. They changed bus lines. It's so hard to get anywhere for this whole weekend for people to just run up and down the Strip. And I'm like coming off of my runner's high. I'm still so excited, still so pumped. And she's really bringing me down. And David, I know that you might feel similarly to her because a lot of the traffic was diverted through your neighborhood. So how do you feel about the marathon that was uh, an inconvenience to a lot of citizens. Well,
0: you know, Andrew and I are both downtowners. And so I get the party. I get that Las Vegas is all about providing a forum for people to just get their freak on. I saw pictures of people literally dressed as the Eiffel Tower running yes. down Las Vegas Boulevard. Huh. And, it mm-hmm. you know, it's a great promotion for for the city. But I knew there was road closures, but the communication to the public apparently wasn't enough and the diversion plans were shit. I mean, they were absolute trash, which made everyone who thought they were going to be able to get across the strip decide, oh, maybe I should go through this quiet little neighborhood that has Mm -hmm. a bunch of cul-de-sacs that aren't going to get me anywhere closer where I need to be and delay my trip home an extra 20 on top of the extra 20 that's going to take to go the way that I should have been going. And I'm going to be filled with road rage and I'm going to pass cars in a residential neighborhood. Okay, Mm. that was what I was seeing for the rock and roll marathon. And I'm not exaggerating. There had to be two, three thousand cars that drove by my house and were lost because by the time they got to the end of my street, they were again diverted because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And that happens a lot. And, you know, I even try to sort of look at the, the city and the county website to try to figure out like just how much benefit do we get and how much does it cost the taxpayers to, to yeah. launch these sort of things. And I couldn't get that information anywhere. I mean, that transparency behind these big events... Andrew, that's not a surprise to you or the lack of transparency, right?
2: Yeah, unfortunately it's not a surprise. But I would be curious to yeah, you know, learn what the sort of you know the cost benefit is. Um Layla, I have a question for you. Did you train for the for the, the half marathon? Is this something that you like are pretty intensive about? <laughs> and
0: how much tequila was in that training? Answer both those yeah. questions, Layla.
2: <laughs>
1: Um, no tequila was involved in the training. And this has been something that's been on my bucket list for a while, running a marathon. And I've known about the rock and roll marathon for a while. It's been in Vegas for a while. And the idea of running down the strip at night was very appealing to me. I'm not a runner. I did not train too much. My legs were really feeling it. I think this is the first day Mm. that my legs have recovered from that marathon. But I do really think that for locals, it is a really interesting experience to see the strip that way and really be on the ground. And I don't go to the strip that often. So being in the street, seeing all of the new screens and the renovations that have happened on the strip recently, I think that was really cool. And i feel like I'm more familiar with the strip as it is now than the idea that I had in my head of the strip because it has changed a lot. And that's something that the woman who stopped me in the Miracle Mile shops, she had mentioned that Las Vegas has changed a lot and we just can't shut down the strip for a marathon because there's too much business. Mm. But I I can't get over how great of an experience it was. Like, I I hear the complaints. I hear how inconvenient it was. But that experience of running down the Strip at night is, like, if you're not a runner, sign up for the 5K, the 10K. Those are a little shorter distances. But even going through downtown and seeing downtown all shut down, it was a really enjoyable experience participating in that.
0: But maybe not for some of those business owners too. So yeah, I think it's- that's <laughs>
1: something. I mean, we definitely did run past an IHOP that had the open sign, but there was no way any cars could get there. So we were joking, like maybe runners just stop there and like let me get a grand slam or whatever IHOP
2: sells. Yeah, get a tequila pancake. <laughs> exactly.
0: I'm wondering though, Layla, now that you've experienced firsthand, first foot, as a car-free strip. Yeah. What do you think that would be like?
1: I think it would be really fun. It felt like if anyone's been to New Orleans Bourbon Street, it felt like that. It felt like a big party. And I really do think people would enjoy it if we could figure out the logistics of it. I think it would be really hard for tourists getting in and out of the casinos. I have a friend who works at Resorts World, and there were a lot of complaints because they were shuttling people out of that property. And once you missed the shuttle, you were kind of just stuck in resorts world, unless you wanted to go out and walk on the strip. So I I do think it would be a great option to make the strip pedestrian, but I feel like the infrastructure and the car culture might get in the way because I feel like we were built on that and there's a lot of stuff that would have to change to make that happen. What do you guys think? Would you guys be interested in a pedestrian strip?
2: I love the idea, and I would just call it Fremont Street 2, The Reckoning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Fremont Street 2, here we come. Last but not least, Andrew, you published The List.Vegas. Tell us what events we should keep an eye out for coming up in March.
2: Thanks for asking, David. <laughs> yeah, so well, you are uh, here. Lot <laughs> Come on, man. Spill. <laughs> we've got a lot. <laughs> so we've got a, you know always a great list of rotating events at the list. Vegas, and um, on the front page we have hot lists, which are you know themed around a certain trend or season. And March is National Women's History Month, and uh, so we've got a cool list of events dedicated to Women's History Month. And uh, yeah, a couple that are popping on my radar that I'm really excited about. March 9th at the Whitney Library, Patrice Isley, she is this very accomplished soul singer and she's going to be performing um, songs from influential black women in music, including Aretha Franklin, uh, Whitney Houston, Beyonce. Um, I've checked out some of her stuff on YouTube. She is a powerhouse. So that should be a really cool concert. And uh, on a different kind of wavelength, this Saturday, March 4th, at Sabadan Gallery on 3rd and Colorado is uh, an art exhibit called Eclectic Women, and that will feature 24 women artists from you know, all kinds of you know, different disciplines and, and media showcasing their work. Um, so as the, the creme de la creme of, of you know, women in art here in the Valley. Lastly, uh, March 11th at the uh, West Charleston Library, Vegas City Opera is putting on a uh, performance called The Women of the Black Panthers. Mm. And this will be an, an afternoon of black spirituals, as well as uh, songs from the, the 50s and 60s that will have kind of the, the Vegas City Opera classical flair. So um, we've got that and a whole whole bunch more at the uh, the list.vegas. Very cool.
0: Uh, fun, fun, fun. And let us not forget that this weekend is the official opening of... Ta-da, ta-da, the long-awaited gem of downtown, the Beverly Theater.
2: Woo. Oh, yeah. And so they've got a whole host of events from Percival Everett's um, headlining a literary discussion. CityCast, I hear, is, uh, is is putting on an event Saturday, which I think was your segue that I just totally interrupted. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited about that venue coming online downtown. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's fair. I did prompt it because they did want to brag on the fact that CityCast Las Vegas is going to be live and Mm -hmm. out there at the new Beverly Theater. We're going to be doing an event. Layla, can you tell folks about what to expect from CityCast Las Vegas Live at the Beverly Theater this Saturday at 1 p.m.?
1: Yes. So our lovely hosts, David Figler and Vogue Robinson, will be interviewing Vita Bybee and kim foster who are both local authors and we're asking them what it's like writing about las vegas and the challenges and they're going to share their experiences and we're gonna also hear from our amazing hosts
2: yeah i can't wait
0: to see it hey Layla Mohammed and andrew crawley thanks so much for joining us on the friday roundup for citycast las vegas thank you thanks david great talking with y'all Well, that's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Mohammed. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheath, and our hosts are me, David Figler and Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and all the kimonos. We record the show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, rate with the little stars. You can go do it, go do it now. It's easy, it's so easy. Leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. We'll see you on Saturday at the Beverly Theater. And until then, take care.
2: good i feel like i'm playing like an exotic sci-fi instrument because i have to hold it very precisely